The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. America's top talk shows with breaking news, traffic, and weather. WHIO! W-H-I-O. Well, welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're here. And 457-1290 is the number to join our conversation today. Bread and butter day, my friend. Bread and butter, just the basics. Gotta watch your intake of both, you know, since we just talked about diabetes, Bob. Yeah. And I think... We talked about heart disease a while back, too. Well, it's good to know you're watching out for me. My pleasure. It's uh, Chick-fil-A. Don't they do that? My pleasure thing? Oh, yes. yes. They always say I my pleasure. They don't say thank you. They say my pleasure. And I'm always taken back by it. I'm much more <laughs> genuine, though, in my pleasure, I bet. You are. And <laughs> you do look out for the health. But in saying bread and butter, what I'm really getting at is that this is one of those basic shows, like we do every now and then, to give our listeners an overview of an important topic. There's no way we can get into a lot of the depth on this topic, and we are not formally experts in the legal sense for what we'll discuss today, but we take nothing for granted in what we assume people know or don't know. So today, we'll talk about some bread and butter. And whether you care for such tasty fare or not, Bob is right in saying this topic is important. When we've talked about this topic in the past, it was nested within our Essential Documents show, where we reviewed important documents everybody should have in place, like documents which govern who we want making our health decisions for us, when and if that time comes, and who will help manage our finances if we need help in that area while we're still alive, and especially if we become incapacitated. Yeah, and and some of those documents, um, the most common that people have heard of are the general power of attorney in which someone is assigned by you to handle your financial, real estate, business, and legal affairs. Or perhaps it's a medical power of attorney, which, as the name implies, entrusts someone to make medical decisions for you. Both of these can be non-durable, meaning they cease to have any authority when someone becomes incapacitated. But more often, they're designed as durable powers of attorney to handle those financial and health matters, even if you become incapacitated. Sometimes it's a lot more important even in that situation. So a durable power of attorney is a very important document and one of the essential docs we talk about here frequently. In either case, the power of attorney responsibility and authority ends when the grantor of that authority passes away. And we'll talk a little bit more about POA a little later today as it moves in and out of our conversation. But... For right now, we want to focus on two other documents which are designed to direct what we can call generally the disposition of someone's estate after they're gone. And by disposition, we mean the transfer of any and all assets and property from a deceased person's estate to one or more other parties. Now, wills are much more common and are generally considered easier, easier to establish and implement. There are advantages and disadvantages to both wills and trust, and we'll talk about some of those in a moment. But first, let's take a look at what might happen if someone has 
no paperwork. None. No essential docs. Right. That is no essential and docs. If you've been like listening to this Trust. show for years and don't have any shame on you. <laughs> We've been harping on it forever. Right. So if somebody doesn't have a will or a trust to determine the disposition of an estate, this is what we're going to talk about. And for this, we check in a little bit on a well-known financial expert by the name of Dave Ramsey. And I really wish we, I could do a Dave Ramsey uh, you know, imitation right now. You know, there's got to be something he says all the time, but maybe some people have heard of him. Maybe some people haven't. Dave Ramsey is a, a well-known financial person. He's, uh, I think he's out of Nashville. Been on the air for years, a big listening uh, audience, and talks to people about all kinds of financial matters and things that we get into here as well. And uh, we were able to pull up some, some of his content that asks this question, what happens if you die without a will? Well, you know, you, you should get one. We've been talking about it here forever, but you never know. Um, you know. Life just seems to go on, right? There's always something to do on your to-do list. Come Monday morning, you got to get out and do X, Y, Z. And a lot of times we just don't think about it or we know it's out there and we should get around to it, but we just don't. So we've got the grocery store. We've got, uh, you know, running to whatever, the bank. We've got to pick up kids. got to get to our job. We've got to get to this activity after work. And we just don't get around to creating a will. It gets pushed to the bottom of our to-do list. Well, if that sounds like you, you're not alone. As much as we like to chide you about, you know, having listened to this show and maybe you would have done it by now. A lot of people just don't get around to it. Or maybe they've done it and it's been decades since they've looked at it. A majority of Americans know a will is important, but really only about 40% have actually created one which I thought was pretty amazing when you think about it, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it will definitely cause problems for you and your loved ones if you don't have a will. Um, but there's, a, there's good news, right, Bob? Creating a will doesn't have to be complicated. And when you do have a will, you control what happens to your estate, your kids, and your pets. And the courts don't decide. You do. So um, where this starts with is, is a word that, you know, it, it either sounds like the highways or it sounds like something wrong with your, your body. But um, <laughs> there's something called uh, intestacy. Uh, that does sound like a disease, doesn't it? Something in the gut, in maybe, the you know, because the intestine, right? Or, or as uh, Ramsey says there in his article, <laughs> interstate isn't a road between two states. It means basically dying without leaving a legal will in place. And the process your estate will go through is called intestacy. If this happens to you, the law in the state where you live will decide how your assets are given away and who gives them away. You won't have any say if you don't have what we're going to talk about for the balance of the show. That includes all your money, your real estate, unless it's co-owned by somebody else, even your pets, family heirlooms, and your prized butterfly collection. I don't have one, but other people have stamps and shells and coins and other valuables. Yes. You know. So yes, there's a lot all of, of that, all of that, that will get decided collect, by, right? and some person in the state will, uh, will decide what happens to that. Right. So, so what, what, what happens? Yeah. What happens if you die without a will? Well, if you die without a will, the probate process kicks in and the state will name a personal representative. And this is the person who will distribute your assets. And in most cases, the surviving spouse will get that difficult job. But naming a representative can get complicated when you add in ex-spouses, kids, parents, and even maybe that, you know, oddball relative who thinks that you were best buds, right? Until the courts decide who will distribute your, your assets, they will be frozen. 
That means no one can touch your stuff, even if you said they could have it. And even after the court names a representative, family and friends might resent the person who was chosen. Now, if nobody is willing to handle your estate, the courts will name a public trustee. This total stranger will distribute your assets according to the laws in your state. And that usually leaves everyone unhappy. So he's just touching the surface there. And and really what he's getting at is what happens a lot of times in the probate process. That may be something you've heard of. Uh, before, in the, in the easiest way to understand probate, it's simply the legal procedure that your estate goes through after you pass away. During this legal proceeding, a court starts the process of distributing your estate to proper heirs. We'll, uh, we'll talk about this today a lot, but the, does this happen in 24 hours? Absolutely oh, not. It can take quite some time, <laughs> it can take depending months. on the situation. Uh, it can take years. I've even read where some cases it takes decades to resolve some Uh, issues in probate court. Um, Probate is always easier, however, if you have a will and or a living trust that clearly defines your wishes. The documents um, name your beneficiaries, that is the people who are going to receive the value of your estate, and an executor, the person who is in charge of seeing that that gets done. And that's not just the favorite child who gets to be named an executor. A lot of times that's the person who is seen as most responsible to be able to execute the wishes that are uh, encompassed in a will. Uh, now, they, beyond that, um, you know, that's, that can be part of your estate plan. You can also create a living trust, which makes difficult life events uh, just a little bit easier on your loved ones. It's important to understand that a will goes through probate, no matter what, but it's simpler if you have it all detailed in there what you want. During probate, the court first authenticates your will to make sure it's a real thing, that it was created not just five minutes before you walked in the courtroom, uh, that it's a real thing, and that you've authorized your executor to pay all your debts and taxes and distribute your remaining property accordingly per the instructions you have. See, that's one thing a lot of people forget. If you have creditors who will make a claim on your estate, a lot of times those people do get paid, and the executor sees to it that uh, they get those debts paid. Uh, you're probably going to have a lot of questions about probate, so we're going to share a little bit more detail about what is probate. Probate is a court-supervised proceeding that um, authentic- authenticates your will, if you have one, and approves your name executor so he or he, she can distribute your property and belongings. During the probate process, all your assets must be located and assessed for total value. Once that is done, taxes and debts are paid and the remaining value of the state is distributed. Now, in cases where there is no will, meaning that your estate is is intestate, this process obviously becomes more complicated. Because there is no documentation stating your final wishes, it is up to the courts to handle proceedings and make all decisions for you. So what typically goes through probate, okay? What what are the kinds of things you have to worry about that go through this? Well, if you don't have a will, everything you own, as I mentioned before, okay, even your butterfly collection goes through. But it generally falls into a number of main categories. Any inheritance where a beneficiary predeceases a giver, if that named beneficiary passes away before you do and you fail to update your will, well, the courts will become involved in deciding how to settle that part of your estate, Right? You may have left it to a niece or a nephew or a son or daughter. And if the son or daughter were to pass away before you do, um, then 
there's no chance that that money is going to go to that person. So again, that's one of those things that the state gets involved in. What else gets the attention of probate? Yeah, another one. This one people might not realize. I wasn't even, I was kind of questioning this one, but apparently non-titled property, and that's anything you own that doesn't have paperwork. This could include household items such as appliances, clothing, furniture, and just other general items that fall into this category. If your will names these items and appropriately states your wishes, you can eliminate probate. So that's non-titled property. But what, what if you're in a business or you own something with somebody else? What, what about that? Like an investment property? So in cases where properties are titled as tenants in common and where clear instructions aren't present in a will, a probate court will step in to help determine how your share is passed down. Keep in mind, if your will makes your wishes clearly known, once again, this process will be simplified. There's also, you know, if you own something outright, you own it by yourself. Those are other things that probate looks at. Uh, those are just some major categories. When we come back, we're going to talk about what doesn't have to go through probate court because a lot of people are sitting there thinking, geez, does every single thing need to be reviewed? Well, we're going to tell you what doesn't need to typically go through probate as well as take a look at the topic of wills and trusts a little bit deeper. We'll tell you what they are, what some of the different types are, how they're used, and much more. And remember, we encourage you to seek your own professional legal advice on any matters regarding the essential docs we discuss in this or any There is a Season program. We're not attorneys here, but we do try to get your attention and then let the pros handle the rest. We'll be back with a lot more in just a moment. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We're talking about those bread and butter basics that everyone just loves to think about, right? Essential documents, powers of attorney, wills, trusts, get them while they're hot. You don't get out much, do you, Bob? <laughs> well, 457-1290 is the number to join us this morning. 937-457-1290. Got to be excited about this. As we've long said in this program, <laughs> it's important to take care of these things now rather than later. Yes, a lot of this content can be rather droll or perhaps unsettling. I think people have even said, oh, that's morose, you know, or morbid to talk about those kinds of things because it means we got to contemplate our later years and even our last chapter. But if we've been fortunate enough to have some fortune and we'd like to have a say in where that fortune goes, no matter how big or small, then preparing a will and possibly a trust can make a lot of sense. Otherwise, it's just confusion and pain after you're gone. Cheery, Bob, but, but you're right. <laughs> It is. We've seen it many times. A lot of people go through a lot of misery. You know something I'm sitting here thinking real quick. I don't think that most people think about this when they're really young. Like once you're over 18, it, this applies to you yes. too. Yes. I mean, I've, I saw a couple I'm, of I'm things. I'm thinking about my kids right now. Recently, they talked about millennials ought to be dialed into this and a lot of right. them aren't e right. either. Yeah. So we talked briefly here before the break about what pro probate uh, includes, the things that have to go through probate court. What are some of the things that don't have to go through probate? Things that don't have to go through probate are things that have a beneficiary named, okay? Items placed inside a living trust. We'll talk more about that later. Um, items that are uh, 
placed in a POD, payable on death, or a TOD, which is transfer on death items, or jointly titled property that have survivor's rights. So in a lot in a lot of cases, those are things that are absolutely clear, like in a beneficiary with a, an insurance policy. It's named, and that trumps anything. It right. just goes right to that person. And POD or TOD are on death transfers, basically. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the probate process. What is some of the documentation and, and the steps you need to go through that? We're also going to get into the wills and trusts stuff. And time permitting, we'll even talk about those pods and tods, those payables on debt and uh, transfer. You are so I'm cheery, deaf. Bob. Not deaf. Yeah, I am cheery. I'm trying to make hole. this happy. Back with more right after the news. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. And today we're talking about how we care for one another by leaving instructions for what to do with our estate, our legacy. And um, when we've talked about essential docs, essential documents, that is, in the past, we've kind of divided it into these two groups. One really revolves around health care very much, what happens to you. If you're uh, if you go into the hospital and need somebody to speak for you, do you have an advanced directive and all of that kind of thing? But where a lot of people need to spend some time, and in an area that can cause a lot of friction in families, is in this question of what happens to your wealth, no matter what it is, after you're gone. Uh, how is that uh, disposed of? How is it transferred over to other people? So we were uh, going to talk here as much as we can about wills and trusts, but we want to finish up a couple of things here about probate. And we were talking about what's included in that, uh, you know, what generally gets decided by probate in the probate court system in most states and what is avoided. But there is a process and it involves a number of different steps. It's not exactly the same in every state, but here's some common things. What's one of the first things you have to be able to produce for probate? Well, someone, usually your executor or lawyer, will inform the court of your death and submit a copy of the death certificate to start the entire probate process, Bob. And then after that, the will, if you have one, it will be validated. And that will be done by the courts to ensure it was properly signed and dated in accordance with the law. Once that's done, that will that you've had made is considered valid. One of the big steps here, and think carefully about this, is someone's got to conduct this. Someone's got to help get this all through probate. And in cases where there's a will present, a judge formally appoints the person you name as executor to do that. The executor oversees the process and settles your estate. It's a legally responsible role. If there is no will, the court then appoints a personal representative for this role. That person may have no attachment whatsoever to your family, let alone what you, you know, wished for your estate to become. So a lot of times it's a next of kin person. doesn't always have to be. Um, if it is the court doing it, a personal representative would act exactly as an executor would, save for what I said. They may not know your situation personally. Right. Um, another thing that um, that should be done or is done is posting of a bond. A lot of people don't know what that is. It protects the beneficiaries against potential errors that an executor or personal representative might make during this whole probate process. They can be quite costly, but your state will pay for it. And they're not always necessary. It just depends on the state that you live in, if, it'll, if they'll waive it or not. 
Another big step that an executor has to handle is informing beneficiaries and creditors. It involves finding and informing any potential beneficiaries and possible creditors that someone has passed. Uh, he or she will need to communicate with creditors to settle your debts using money from your estate. And that's important because there are a lot of cases where if it is not settled directly out of your estate when you pass, some people will go after then the beneficiaries and say, hey, I was owed X number of dollars. And right. it creates headaches for them down yeah. the road. And it can take a while because, you know, sometimes we have to you have to figure this stuff out on your own. Credit card bills, you know, and such. Tracking and it Unpaid down. utility bills that are still, you know, haven't been sent out yet. It, it takes a while to gather everything. Yes. Yeah. The next and uh, one of the... Um, important things would be to determine the value of these assets in your property, right? Right. It's not what you always say, not what you think. Yeah. And that <laughs> accounts for everything that you own at your time of passing. And a lot of times if you can't do it, I mean, this is like what we talk about with estate sales and, and that kind of thing. A professional appraiser will be involved to actually if, put a real value. Especially on if it's stuff. a larger estate. Yes. And then you must make sure that all fees and debts of the deceased are paid such as funeral expenses, and those are typically paid from the estate. And then when that's done, um, the estate funds payments for all medical expenses. And filing and paying taxes is another thing people don't think about. You know, you have to still pay taxes at the end of the year for that person. And then you distribute remaining assets. That's the last thing after all those debts have been paid. Uh, they will be afforded to the appropriate beneficiaries. Now, we talked briefly about how long probate can take. A lot of times, if it's a simple estate, you could be done in a matter of weeks or months. Um, if it's more complicated, a year is not out of the question. And as I said before, it can take sometimes several years or even decades if you have a lot in your estate or it's uh, fairly complicated. Fees involved generally involve attorney's fees. and You're not going to get around that. Uh, some compensation is generally expected for the executor. And there are guidelines for a lot of states. Sometimes it's around 5% of the estate value, but, you know, that can all be written into the will. There is the probate bond that Gloria talked about, court fees, creditor notice fees, and other things. So if you'd like to look up uh, what else is involved in that, we'll have some information for you at the end of the show to, uh, to give you some additional stuff you can research. So let's get into the meat here of what is a will and what is a trust. Both of these transfer estates to heirs, okay? We've been getting toward that. A trust, however, can skip probate court. That doesn't necessarily mean it's right for everybody. Wills and trusts are both planning tools that can help ensure your assets get protected and bequeathed. I get to say bequeathed. You didn't get to say that word today. Bequeathed. I can't say heirs. that word. <laughs> Go ahead, I think on. you're over there thinking I can't I pronunciate that word. Go ahead. Let's, let's bequeathed. That. Oh, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> So there's the bequeathing to go on, right? Um, so the wills and trusts are set up. They're, almost everybody can get a will. A lot of people do get wills, although only 40% of America, according to Dave Ramsey. Trusts get a little bit more complicated, and they have different powers and different authorities. The process is much more involved when wealth gets transferred beyond a spouse. A lot of times it could be just a spouse who's, who's the person, you know, the state laws can be written in such a way but if you're passing things to a subsequent generation, uh, then it can get a little bit more complicated. A will is a written document expressing the deceased person's wishes. From naming guardians of minor children to bequeathing these objects, I got to say it again, and cash assets to friends, relatives, and charities. And the will only becomes active after one's death. So keep this in mind. It is separate from a power of attorney or a durable power of attorney for financial matters. A will applies after you're gone, the powers of attorney, obviously, before you're gone. A trust 
is act of the day you create it, and a grantor may list the distribution of assets before the death, uh, unlike a will. There are irrevocable... Irrevocable. Irrevocable trusts, often created for tax purposes, (laughs) which cannot be altered after the creation. And something that's much more popular would be a living trust, which can be changed by a grantor. So the most common type of will is called a testamentary will. It's legally enforceable, stating how you want your affairs handled and the assets distributed after you die. It can include a directive on how you want your funeral and memorial held. We've sometimes also, when we've talked about the essential documents, uh, put some of that information in a letter of instruction. Now, a letter of instruction is not a legally binding document. It's, it's one of those things where we've talked about everything from, you know, indicating your funeral plans to where the keys are to the shed, you know, or, or computer files and things like that. But you can write some of this stuff into a specific will. So um, a will is an important component, obviously, of your entire estate planning process, and a number of online tools will allow you to make those forms fairly easy. What's included here when you put together a will? A list of what? All your assets, debts, family heirlooms, the contents of safe deposit boxes, property, and vehicles. You can leave your possessions really to anybody, heirs, friends, or charities. And um, something that's really important in a will, Bob, would be guardianship mm-hmm. of minor children. If you have minor age children at home, it is really important to have a will that appoints guardianship of your children. Because if a guardian is not appointed at the time of your death, your surviving family will have to seek um, help in a probate court to have a guardian appointed for your children. And that person appointed may not be the one with whom you would have wanted to have entrusted your kids to. Yeah, you think about everything involved in the, in, the, in the care of a child. It's not necessarily the family with the most money that might take the kid in, or there's a lot of things. Great to relationship think about. and no money, or you know what? Uh, it, there's different things to consider in all of that. Yeah. Alternately, there is something called disinheritance. Yes. While children, natural or adopted, have statutory right to inherit, a will does allow you to disinherit a child if you choose to do so. Make sure you know you better check, check your state laws for this too. But a person can disinherit a spouse as well under certain circumstances. Ouch. <laughs> Better be careful, Bob. Ouch. You might get disinherited. <laughs> Before the show's over. Uh, <clears throat> so. Yeah, she, if she's listening. No, now, a, a trust is another method of estate transfer, a fiduciary response, a relationship in which you give another party authority to handle your assets for the benefit of a third party, your beneficiaries. So think that through. An executor is just is responsible to the court to distribute your wealth in your estate. This is similar with the trust, except you've named a trustee who's now going to handle your assets for the benefit of this third party. And a trust can also creep back into managing some assets while uh, you're still alive. A trust can be created for a variety of functions, but the two main types are living and testamentary. A living trust uh, we'll focus on the revocable uh, living trust or estate transfer. Like a will, a trust will require you to transfer property after death to loved ones. It's called a living trust because it's created while the property owner or trustor or grantor is alive. It is revocable, that is, it can be changed during the life of that grantor, that trustor. Understand the roles here. The trustor or the grantor is the person who owns the property held in the trust. But there is a trustee who is given authority to manage it. That is a a, a key delineation people have to understand when they're setting up a trust. What's a testamentary trust? 
These trusts tend to be more expensive than wills to create and maintain all trust, right? A trustee will be named in the document to control the assets distribution following the truster's wishes, following the trust document and its mandates. This is also an effective way to control the passing of your estate beyond the grave. So to be valid, a trust must identify the following, the truster, the trustee, the successor trustee, and the trust beneficiaries. A declaration of trust will also provide the basic terms of the trust. Your estate stays private and passes directly to your heirs. You do not pay a probate attorney or court cost, and your loved ones may be able to avoid being tied up in probate court for what could be a year or more. Now, what are some of the key differences, you know, which is better? A lot of people ask, you know, these questions. Well, trusts can be in effect the moment they're signed. The moment you designate someone as the trustee, it becomes in effect, even while you're still alive. And there may be some valid reasons for doing that to manage your assets, uh, you know, prior to your passing away. A will only activates upon death. Which is better? Well, a trust will streamline the process of transferring an estate after you die while avoiding a lengthy and potentially costly period of probate. A lot of things in trusts are very cut and dry. They're established, they're clean, they're not in the public eye. It can, it can tidy up a lot of that. However, if you have minor children, creating a will that names a guardian is critical to protecting both the minors and the inheritance. Deciding between a will or a trust is obviously a personal thing, therefore, and a lot of people will recommend you have both. Nearly everyone should have a will, but not everyone needs a living or irrevocable or revocable trust. If you have property and assets to place in a trust and have minor children, though, having both estate planning vehicles might make sense. Now, which one trumps the other one? Well, a will and a living trust are two separate legal documents, Bob. One doesn't usually trump another. But if an issue arises, a living trust will most likely override a will because a trust is in its own entity. And, and uh, finally, how much does it cost? Well, a trust depends on a lot of factors, including the type of trust, the state you live in, how complex the legal document is. A simple trust done online with LegalZoom or some service like that can cost a few hundred dollars. Right. Very often they can get into several a thousand, thousand dollars, dollars at least. with yeah. an attorney. Mm-hmm. But it does allow you uh, extensive de- levels of detail for uh, how you want your estate handled. And you can set this up with somebody and even make revisions to it. Uh, as you're going along ahead of time. So yeah. that is that is the thumbnail of wills and trusts. They're very similar in some ways, but also very different in how they're applied uh, later on. We've only got a little bit of time left here on the show. So when we come back, we're going to try to talk quickly about uh, payable on death accounts and how those things fit into this whole picture and uh, have a couple of other thoughts to share with you before we get out today. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've been doing the crash course today here on wills and trusts. We, we always want more time to tell about, you know, all the well, details of these things. this is something you kind of need more time. We're rushing a little but, bit because there's so much. We at least want to raise the flag or set the searchlight off and say, here's some things you need to do and why. One more thing we want to talk about real quick here is PODs. It's, yeah, POD, um, payable on death accounts. Uh, that is a type of bank account that can be used for estate planning purposes, Okay. 
Um, the difference between a traditional bank account and a POD account is that the latter has a named beneficiary. Okay, so that's someone that you're going to choose to receive those assets held in that account when you pass away. Um, it, it can be a checking account, a savings account, a money market account, certificate of deposit account. And what makes a bank account a payable on death account is having a named beneficiary. It's up to you to decide who you name. And if you're married, your spouse might be a logical choice. So this is how you avoid probate, even if you're married. You use a POD beneficiary. Sounds very streamlined. Okay. Yeah. There's also transfer on death, which, you know, you can look all these things up. Um, there's a few little differences. So we encourage you to, if you have, would like more resources, we have a whole bunch of them. Just write to us at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. We'll be happy to send you back some links, which can uh, clear some of these things up and at least set you in the right direction when you talk to an attorney. Before we go, we did want to acknowledge uh, the passing of a um, colleague and friend here, Jeff Pedro, uh, another one of the people who does a show like ours on this station, uh, Shooting from the Hip, and he's done it for years with Mark Avery. They were some of the first people we met when we went live here 11 years ago. He passed away recently, and we did want to acknowledge that and pass along our condolences to his family to Mark and to everyone else who knew Jeff Pedro, a tremendous individual in the law yes. enforcement community, um, really a major loss. Just a, a, a tremendous person just in general life as well. He was just a great guy. Fantastic guy. Wonderful. And sounds Wonderful. like he had a tremendous family too. Yeah. Um, so we, we want to pass along uh, those condolences and God bless him. We're out of time here, so we're going to have to get going. Um, remember, dear friends, Seek grace in every step you take. Never regret going older because it is a privilege denied to many. For Gloria, for our producers, and everyone who makes the show possible, thanks for spending some time with us today. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk.